Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. I am Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard. Welcome back and happy 4th of July. Um, yay, America. Also, happy belated Canada Day to any of my friends in the Canadian region. Um, it's a fun week of celebration for both countries. This week, speaking of Canada Day, I have Brenda Andress. Brenda is the commissioner of the Canadian Women's Hockey League and founder of the She Is movement. Brenda's goal has been to grow the women's game across all leagues. And as a hockey player herself, she fell in love with the game and just knew she wanted to work in sports somehow. Her path is unique and unconventional. Um, She took the route of parks and recreation and community facility development, which is such a unique way of doing things and getting into sports that I, of course, love it. Um, This interview was so fun. Brenda's career has been, like I said, fairly unique. And, you know, I love listening to her stories. I even ask her um, (laughs) if she's seen the show Parks and Rec and how that compares to real life. So, (laughs) you know, super serious. Um, We, of course, discuss her career path, but we also have a really good discussion on Canada Day, um, how the women's leagues are a great way for women to um, work in sport and to take on more typically male-centric roles. Uh, We talk about some of the big money contracts with LeBron James and John Tavares over the weekend and uh, the disparity between that and um, the women's leagues, and then how each of us can have an impact on women's sports. I go off on a bit of a rant, and any of you who follow me on the Twitterverse saw this um, over the weekend uh, about the American Alliance of Football League uh, of Football and um, some of the pictures they tweeted out of their executives and general managers and the, well... (laughs) Obvious lack of women. I'm displeased by that. And I I think it's just nonsense. Um, And then there's a really fun idea that popped into my head right as we were ending the um, recording. And um, it's an incentive for all of you to join the She Is Challenge. So make sure you listen to it. I just do want to um, kind of warn y'all, there is some slightly rough audio Um, This was the second time that we recorded an interview because the first time I screwed up somehow. Um, And Brenda was really, really gracious to give me the time to redo it. I actually think this might be better than our first one was, so that's great. But there is some um, rough audio at times. I believe that she was wearing headphones with a, a mic and was moving about because she's a busy woman. Um, so at times you'll hear some scratchiness. Um, please excuse that. We, we are doing the best we can to, to, um, get rid of that. But I generally, you know, think it's a great interview. Um, Brenda is so smart and, and she's, um, had such a fun, uh, career and it's a great take on, um, on getting into the industry. So without further ado, on to the interview with Brenda Andress. Hi, Brenda. Hi. 
Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Uh, for <laughs> my listeners, the recording didn't exactly work the last time. So um, you were gracious enough to do this a second time. Happy to do it. <laughs> um, I'm going to start uh, with a, a quick kind of silly question, which is, what did you do for Canada Day? It was just the other day. I spent it with my family and friends. Uh, I love Canada. It's a great country. And uh, we had a phenomenal conversation uh, around uh, why we loved Canada. So it was kind of funny, you know, we were sitting on the sandy beach, looking at the water and looking at all the people around us that were having fun in the water and laughing and talking. And we said, hey, you know, why do everybody here and uh, what's why do we love Canada and it's quite interesting as everybody kind of almost said the same thing you know it's our diversity it's the freedom that we have within Canada to really be and do what we want to be so it was kind of it was a great day um it's always a great day when you get to spend time with your family and friends sure I um obviously I'm in the United States but I uh <laughs> I have a very good friend down here who used to be an attorney for um, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And she she left a little over a year ago to open her own restaurant called The Sea House. And she's oh. she's from Canada, as is her best friend down here. And um, the restaurant had kind of like a Canada Day celebration with um, their favorite Tampa musician who happens to be Canadian, Colt Clark. And um, they actually, they flew him up to Toronto to sing at their at her wedding up there, which is kind of funny. Um, and, and it was a lovely little brunch afternoon that I had with them. It was very fun. So Did she opened up a restaurant here in Toronto or no, in Tampa? In Tampa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her husband um, still works in sports down here. And um, so everything at the restaurant, and I'm going to have her on the podcast at some point um, because her, how she got to where she, you know, is now is phenomenal. But um, the way she named the restaurant is everything starts with the C. So that they sell. And so they'll get creative with it and come up with some like, you know, names of things that maybe don't start with C, you know, they'll like name it something different, but um, they had specials on Canadian beer and uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny. Um, uh, the food is great. They had a great brunch. So um, yeah, it's a cool little concept, but it was something that she just kind of came up with and was like, you know what? There's no time like the present to try it. So let's try it. She can always go. <laughs> She can always go back to law if she wants to. It's always there. Yeah, yeah. It's always going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Especially here in America because uh, things are crazy. Um, <laughs> um, how did you fall in love with sport? Well, you know, that's a funny one. My children will tell you that I, I didn't fall in love with sport, that I came out of the womb and I was instantly in love with sports and kind of knew what I wanted to do in life. And uh, it's always kind of a running joke within our family that I never 
I always just believed this is what I would end up doing, working in sports somewhere, being an athlete. And that's just what I was and did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Your, your career path is, is pretty interesting in that you, by working in sports, you actually did it in a, in a way I think a lot of people don't really think about, right? When we think of working in sports, we think of like selling tickets or, um, you know, doing marketing. You actually went the facility route. Can you talk about what led you that way? Uh, I think it was the hockey world. I was uh, playing hockey and um, I kind of thought, uh, if I'm going to be working in recreation and back way back when, when I was uh, a young and they didn't really have uh, recreation leadership or sports management in universities, you had to go the college route. But most of the people who ran facilities or did parks uh, recreation or did the swimming pools or curling clubs or, you know, the cultural programs, they were individuals that, you know, were probably the hometown hero in each community. And then, you know, he went from being the number one hockey player to running facilities. And as we started to, you know, progress in society, we kind of understood that recreation had a bigger tie into the health of the community, the health of the the individuals that lived within the community and the interaction between them. So it was kind of like my first kind of thought process was, well, you know what? Wow. If I was working in rinks and pools, I could be around all these athletes all the time. And, you know, and of course I get to watch as much hockey as I chose to. Um, so I kind of thought, okay, if I'm going to get to the top and I, and I, and I want to get to the top, I, I believe that, you know, most people want to be the leader, want to be somebody who can make a difference or make some choices. And that's not to say that within each job, you can't do that. But for me, I knew that at the end of the, at the end of my day, I wanted to actually lead. I wanted to be the decision maker. And so I said, well, the way, the route I want to go, I want to make sure that I have every kind of background material and experience so that when I sit at the table for at that time, it was very much a male orientated field of parks and rec and running rinks and everything. So I needed to be at that table. So I went the route of, you know, learning to, I started out working in an arena and when I was working at the arena, I was managing uh, you know, people kind of running the Zamboni, doing the pool maintenance. And so I drove Zamboni. I did the pool maintenance. I did the golf course. I did the curling club ice. Uh, you know, I did behind the bar. I did in front of the bar. Uh, so to me, I wanted to know, I got my refrigeration license, you know, after college. I, you know, I went and took different courses because when I sat at the table, when people were talking about things, I wanted to know what they were talking about. So somebody came in and said to me, you know, I can't make the ice in this length of time and this isn't here. I'd turn to them and say, you know, on contraire, I know exactly what it takes to put the ice in. I know the temperature it has to go in. I know how much you can cut it down to and I know how long it takes you to do that. So let's get on the same page and let's, you know, get this done. And so for me, that was just a different way of learning and the fact that I wanted to know and I wanted to remember that, you know, here's here's what it was like working in a Zamboni part time on the field part time so that when I got to be making decisions uh, that I knew that the most qualified individuals were really all those individuals that worked part time or full time actually doing the work. And so I, I kind of got great lessons in learning how to do that. You know, it's so smart to think about 
getting a refrigeration license for a job in sports. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I personally would have thought of that. Granted, this might be something that make, you know, obviously is an obvious thing for people who run a facility. I'm not sure, but I just, I can only imagine the looks on their face when you would hit back with those facts and that knowledge and being a woman in a very, very male dominated industry at that point. Um, that had to have stunned a few people. <laughs> I do remember one particular time that was quite, uh, quite funny. We were not, you know, I'd been in, in this field for many years and it was just my process of how I wanted to be in the field. And I do remember I was working for, a, as a director of parks, recreation, parks, recreation and culture. And it was time for a union kind of negotiations and, um, you know, all the, the union stewards came to the table and we were sitting there and there was this great conversation about timing and refrigeration and different things. And finally, I just kind of spoke up and said, no, guys, like I have my papers. I know exactly what it takes. Um, so let's, you know, cut out the bowl. And I just remember the the head of the union turning to them and saying, OK, guys, this she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like. I was like, yeah, we all do. And I think that's the, you know, that was the key for us. It was great. I mean, I've, I have one of the best things I think, you know, I've been able to accomplish in life is, is work with so many different uh, leaders and experts in sports and in recreation and the knowledge that they've given me and the the guidance is pretty phenomenal. When, um, when you're leading and you have the background knowledge of of what it's like to work as a part-time employee in in I'm going to use air quotes here because I don't necessarily think any job is this but I'm going to distill it down to kind of like a basic job right a a more you know working the fields or, or working which none of them are basic I the guys that I work with that deal with our field maintenance it is intense. <laughs> that being said, for a leader to have that personal knowledge and experience, I think it just has to make you a better leader because you're able to empathize with them when when there's a situation, um, but also um, to be able to, again, to be able to look at people and be like, listen, I'm not just up here on a pedestal like I've never done work before. I've been down in the trenches with you. I get it. Let's come up with a solution instead of just, you know, looking at you like, oh, you've never gotten your hands dirty. Yeah, Yeah. I think that was, uh, I I, I think too, you're right. I also think that I hopefully was never the leader that, you know, if there was something to be done, um, I just did it. You know, if I walked by something and saw, you know, this has to be done right away or something has to be moved, I just moved it. Because, again, I would know from working as, uh, you know, the grounds crew that it was kind of thinking, why that guy just walked by that? He could have moved it. Why did he call me over and ask me to do it? <laughs> you know, that's, So it was kind of like, I just think every single leader leads by example and people follow the leader that leads by example. Sure. I think it just lends a... Uh... 
a higher credibility to you as well, right? You know, where people get it that you've, you've worked up and I don't know. I, I think there are so many leaders that you look at and you're like, have you actually, do you understand anything that anyone does? Uh, I mean, that's a question that I know a lot of people have about people above them, right? It's like, wait, what? You think I do what? Um, So, you know, I think it's, I've always been the type of person in, you know, even in law, um, where I want to know everything about the organization that I can. Um, Even when I was waitressing, you know, or like a hostess, it sounds so weird, but I tried to learn and figure out how all the different parts of the restaurant worked. Um, and, and so not only was I able to fill in if needed, right. Um, but it gave me a better understanding of, you know, timing of things. And if I'm a hostess, but I understand, you know, what's going on in the back of the house and what's going on with all the you know, all the people's stations and I can better seat people and da, 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 like, and I do that with, you know, with my career now in sports and in law, where if I can understand how the different departments and the organization work, then I'm better able to serve them. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. I think the, it's kind of like inside information that you're not supposed to have. Yeah, and it it seems to me to be such an obvious thing to do, but I've learned in life that sometimes what seems obvious to me is not obvious to everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, I learned that too. Yeah, sometimes that's a hard one to to learn. I think after a while, and you forget. I mean, I think part of it comes down to also, um, and I've dealt with this with myself is that like personal belief in yourself, right? Like, well, if I can do it, anyone can do it as opposed to, no, I have special skills and I've, you know, I, there's something different about me that allows me to do something in a way that other people wouldn't have thought to do. Um, and recognizing that you sometimes forget that. Um, one question that I am sure my listeners are going to have, you're going to probably laugh at this. Um, have you ever seen the show Parks and Rec? Yes. Is life like that at all? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that depends on the era because, uh, you know, I mean, we love, I mean, there's not too many people who are, who were in Parks and Rec would love, you know, um, one of the greatest things I think about Parks and Rec, we had so many good times, um, because, uh, you know, what we're doing is, is working within the community and we're providing fun. And I think, you know, everybody as, as parks and recreation and culture, they, you know, moved forward into today's era. I mean, people think that if they say, you know, the director of fun, it's kind of like, it's not professional, doesn't have that nickname. And certainly it should be run like a business because you're, you know, you're spending taxpayers money, but the whole concept behind parks, rec and culture is to have fun. I mean, you're going out into the community and you're asking the kids to join our programs and skate and swim and, you know, play curling and, excuse me, join cultural programs and do theater. And the reason why you want them to do it is to have fun. And the reason why you want them to do it is because, you know, you can pay for your health now or you can pay for your health later, which will cost you a lot more money (laughs) when, you know, you're 60 and 70 and realize, oh, my God, I'm lethargic and don't do anything. So. 
Parks and Rec uh, is is definitely fun. And back in, you know, uh, quite a few years ago, I mean, we had a ton of stories that we could, you know, probably write and Parks and Rec would have quite a bit of fun for it. So, yes, it's got a it has a lot of fun factor to it. And so many times, I mean, we did party after the events were over. We did have some fun behind the scenes and we did you know, do a lot of different things. And, but we were, I would say parks, recreation and culture is very much a team. Um, because again, people who come in from parks, recreation and culture and the commissioner of, you know, leisure or whatever, you know, it's because we've all come from teams. Like I don't know too many people who work within our field who didn't come through hockey or basketball or soccer or swimming. Like, like every single person came through some type of a sporting kind of, background and so therefore they were familiar with the team they were familiar what everybody kind of stood for they they understood how together we could do something much more creative and and you know extraordinary than individually so i think that's what sports is all about is it it's such a great learning tool for the future leaders or for your future of where you want to go in life because if you're on a team that team teaches you some basic tools of life that will help you succeed and help you become a better, uh, you know, partner in, in your job will help you to know that what your role is and that, you know, what it could possibly be if you take that extra step and train more or educate more or learn more that will get you on the first line that will get you on the first sub that will get you here. And that's through hard work and that's through ups and downs. So I think sports is such a great learning tool for everybody. Do you think that um, the participation trophy uh, era is positive, negative, or neutral? <laughs> I can make a lot of enemies here, Bobby Sue. I think it's, uh, I don't think there should be a participation trophy. I think that. Uh, everybody has to learn that failure is okay. Mm -hmm. And it's us that puts this, you know, name of failure on it. To me, it's just, Hey, I didn't win. I, I, I have another obstacle to do. I have to work harder. That's okay. I think in life we have to say, you know, I participate every day. Nobody's giving me a medal for it. Nobody's giving me a trophy for it. Um, I think that kids have to learn that, Hey, we went out and played and it was fun. And I don't need something from that fun. I don't need to say, Hey, I did a good job. Uh, you know, I can do that myself. And my parents are, can do that. Say, Hey, go, oh, did you have fun? Did you play? Did you do your best? Yeah. You know what? That guy won a trophy. Yeah. That's because they, they train hard that, you know, that athlete is really good. He probably kicks a ball 400 times a day. That guy takes 200 shots a day. And you're right. He won. He won a trophy. Do you want to win a trophy? Yeah. Well, go out there and work. <laughs> Take a shot and kick the ball or throw baskets in every night. I mean, successful people have done that. It's not, Michael Jordan will tell you he stood outside and shot and shot and took a shot and took a shot. You know, uh, hockey players will laugh. They'll say, you know, my garage door was completely had, you know, holes in it because he took shot after shot every night. The runner ran, he ate properly, he trained properly. And he did so because he wanted to win something in his life. He wanted to accomplish something. So I think a participation one, 
is uh, what do you need? What do you need a medal for or a trophy for to say you participated? You participated because you just want to have fun. I don't disagree. Um, you know, something that I have noticed a lot is, I mean, and it's even with people my age, um, because I think that's kind of when participation trophies started. Um, and a lot of people have not had to face really difficult situations or failures in like personal life. Right. So they haven't gone through a trauma of like the death of someone or a divorce or, you know, there are plenty of people who have never, you know, they've always had really good grades, you know, stuff like that. And they've never had to bounce back. They, they're not resilient. And I think sports is a good way to um, build that resilience, right? And, and to, you know, learn about failure and getting up after failure. Um, I think my one caveat is that anybody who finishes a freaking marathon or half marathon deserves a medal. Like, because that in and of itself is such a, it is, that is the, the feat, right? It's not necessarily winning that race. It's pushing your body to a point, but that's also because I'm a runner and I just like medals. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do think that, um, you know, everybody getting a trophy at the end of the season um, kind of dilutes the, the purpose of sport and the fun of it. And I think it also makes, like, it adds to parents being crazy um, with, like, how their, you know, students uh, or their, their um, children's teams are run. I don't know. I just, I feel like there wasn't as much drama on the sidelines when I was a kid with people's parents and I totally agree. And and now it's just, it's absurd. Yeah, totally agree. It's, uh, we see it, especially in women, because before people didn't believe women could have, you know, make a bit of a career or something or make a bit of a, get, uh, get, uh, scholarships. So now we see all those crazy people that are now, you know, yelling at their kids in that way there too. But I think, um, I think that's the world we created with sports. I mean, look at the money that's out there. I mean, you just look at this weekend with, in hockey, the amount of, uh, you know, individuals who change teams. You know, John Tavares is coming to Toronto and he's, you know, making what, huge money in over seven years. and 11 million a year. <sighs> 77. And, and, let's, and, and let's caveat this. This is men's hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's men's hockey for sure. And, and men's yep. basketball, LeBron. Yeah, LeBron just... Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he just moved. And, of course, he's you know he's gone to the Western Division. The Eastern Division is pretty weak out there right now with the, with the NBA. And, I mean, everybody's going that way. And you knew he was going to move, and, and he went, and he got salary. He's going to look for it. And that is men's. But, you know, you take a look at that. There's such a, there's such a belief in all our... Uh, society that, you know, I, I could have been that I, I wasn't that I'll make my child that. So, you know, so, and that's the thing we've always stated and, you know, with the, she is program that I founded, you know, some of the things we're trying to do moving forward is have, you know, she is discovery days where kids come in and just have fun. It's called unorganized play, Mm -hmm. you know, before one of our games, because the importance of unorganized fun uh, and organized play is really where the athlete uh, excels. 
you're not going to take an athlete. I don't care who they are. This is just my belief. And certainly your listeners can disagree with me in many ways. You can take uh, uh, an athlete that's okay. Um, and you can try to make him something he's not. But, you know, it's, it's, it's always two things, I believe. One is skill. Everybody's teachable. There isn't anybody out there that's not teachable. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. I can take you out and I, eventually you'll learn to skate. But will it be natural? It won't be. You all have taught you everything, but it won't be natural. There's a natural skater. It's just, oh, you know, that's a person who has an athletic ability. There's a person who has, a, you know, a, a mathematical ability. I can teach you math if you chose to teach you and you can be whatever you want to be because that's the power within ourselves. But there's a, I believe there's a, a combination of putting together the ability, uh, the natural born talent, and then the passion for what you really want to do in life. And that makes, you know, the, 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 the athlete there. So I think parents who push their kids to be something uh, they're not going to want to be or not going to turn out to be is a little bit sad in our world today. But again, you know, I think society has put such a high price on sports um, that it's difficult for a child. I think it's easier for them to quit than to not succeed in what they're supposed to do. You know how Brenda and I were talking about learning everything you can to be great at your job? You can do that through getting an online master's degree with Florida International University. FIU is Miami's largest university with nearly 54,000 students, 1,100 full-time faculty, and more than 200,000 alumni. FIU online students can take advantage of high-impact opportunities that lead to success and leadership skills, all very important in the sports world, And FIU online students earn degrees from a university that is committed to learning, research, entrepreneurship, innovation, and creativity. So graduates are prepared to succeed in a global market. Check out their website for more information at fiuonline.com slash podcast. That's fiuonline.com slash podcast. I've talked about this with one of our former guests um, and a couple actually about early specialization and how not good that is for, for young athletes because of, from, you know, multiple factors, right? One, you're not getting that um, diversity of, of sport to see what they might be more natural at. The other is the impact it has on the body itself and the overuse injuries that occur, particularly if, you're looking at like the early, you know, tween and teen years, right? When they're really starting to grow a lot and you're putting the same stressors on the body every single day, all year round. Um, so I love the, the, the concept of unorganized play. Um, it's what, you know, recess used to be, right? Um, I, I don't, well, in the United States, I'm not sure about Canada. So, no, that's so true. That's so true. You know, that's so true. Now, as they're bringing, you know, it's coming back in Florida, at least recess is coming back, but it's less of a unstructured period of time for kids to just run around and like get all their energy out. And they're doing more organized activities. And, um, you know, part of, 
part of me wonders, does that not only take away from kids' abilities to be creative, right? I mean, I think that was the time when we, like, made stuff up. We made games up. <laughs> um, I it, Like, the dumbest of games, but whatever. Um, but also, you know, just allowing them to to figure out what comes naturally to them and whatnot. Oh, totally. I need to tell you guys a story. I have, uh, I have two children, um, Jamie and Jamie Lynn. And so we call James, uh, and Jonathan and Jamie is my, uh, my firstborn <laughs> child, little girl and, um, beautiful artistic woman who is, uh, you know, so, uh, phenomenal in the arts world. And however, she was born into her mother's world, as we say. And I can remember, you know, when she was born thinking, all right, here comes my hockey player. This is going to be great. She's going to be phenomenal. <clears throat> and so at a very young age, I mean, two and three, she, you know, skates were on, hockey stick in hand downstairs, you know, pushing the ball around with the hockey stick and playing and blah, blah, blah. And I remember coming down the stairs one day, she was like five years of age. And I got to the bottom of the stairs to play hockey with her like we do every night. And she looked up at me and said, look, mommy, I made my stick pretty. And <laughs> her stick, she had you know, put ribbons and all this type of stuff and made her stick pretty. And I said, you don't want to really play hockey, do you? She goes, no. I said, you want white skates, don't you? She goes, yes. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was like, I thought, okay, this is not my hockey player. Um, but boy, what she's brought into our world, um, you know, she now has kids, you know, 12, eight and six. And uh, we quite laugh in the same way that, you know, each child is different. But she was our, she was our, our, our young artist in our life who brought so much culture into our sports world that it was phenomenal. And, you know, she eventually worked for us under the CW and now she works for the Toronto Maple Leafs, MLSE and loves sports in every which way, but wasn't somebody who loved playing the sports. And to this day, she's still our artistic person. She was a potter for many years, but it was like, you know, we just, I, I, for a brief moment became one of those parents and then, you know, it was like, no, no. And then it was like, so anyway, she was, and it was so true because she became natural what she was supposed to be in life. Once she was allowed to to do what she wanted to do and and kind of create and play, um, the white skates would be a reference to uh, figure skating. For That's right. anyone listening um, who doesn't know, I, it just reminds me of. Um, I never remember the name of the movie, but the one where she just keeps going toe pick. Um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's such a great, great movie. So old now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember it too. Yeah. And then, um, what, what is, she, what does she do for the maple leaves? Um, I think this is a really great thing to talk about real quick, just because I think a lot of people who are creative and enjoy sports don't ever really think that there's a place for them in sports. Yeah, she's an executive secretary, actually. Uh, she was uh, she worked here with the CW for years or oh, six, seven years with me and was, you know, kept me on top, did the did, did ticketing, did marketing, did many different things. But uh, now she works as an executive assistant and absolutely loves it because what she's good at 
um, is, is organization creating and then loves the sports aspect of it, loves watching sports, um, loves being involved in those events, but just didn't like playing it. And, um, although the other day we quite laughed, she took up golf last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, we, she, I go, she goes, mom, this is a sport, right? I go, yeah, you're good. <laughs> and, uh, so this year was the first uh, time last year we played together with her, uh, with my daughter, my, my uh, son-in-law and my uh, grandson, Sam, who's 12. And we quite laughed because of course, Sam is a natural athlete. Uh, and so <laughs> he's out in the golf course and he's, you know, had some pretty good balls. And she goes, how does he do that? Like, I've took lessons. I said, don't worry. I said, like, you're going to play just as good shortly. Uh, so we played for the first time of the day where I kind of called her up and said, Hey, <clears throat> do you want to go golfing? She goes, no, like you're inviting me. <laughs> I said, yes, <laughs> I'm inviting you. Just me and you are going to go play <laughs> a game of golf. <gasps> she goes, I'm on my way. <laughs> so it's like, it's so funny because it's like, um, you know, there wasn't a, I mean, you know, I played hockey with my son. I played hockey with my son-in-law. I played hockey with my daughter-in-law. It's always a joke. This, this is a great other story. So I'm going to segue from my great other story. We, we just killed ourselves laughing. Um, I was 40 years of age at the time, I think 40, 45, maybe a 45. And, uh, I was, I, I was, of course I play hockey. I mean, you know, that's just what my sport is. And my son plays hockey. He's a very good hockey player. Uh, my son-in-law plays hockey. So we went up to this uh, um, arena where they were, where there was co-ed hockey. And uh, so we all decided, and it was a good friend of mine, Paul's, my son-in-law's sister, and her and I were friends from way back when, and that's you know, how they all got together. But anyway, so we were all playing this, this uh, pickup hockey, and it was like a league, and it was uh, co-ed hockey. And so here I am playing, you know, my son's like, you know, he's like 20. Paul's 21. So it's all these young kids and we're playing hockey with each other. And we were sitting around the bar afterwards with the whole team. And, uh, you know, somebody, you know, said to Jonathan, who's my son, he goes, uh, Hey, so like, how do you know Brenda? Like, like, <laughs> like, how did you, how did you guys meet? Like, you know, cause he says, you guys seem like you kind of know her. Right? He goes, that's my mom. And I laughed because the jaws dropped at the table with all the other guys, right? Because it was only three of us women who played on the co-ed team. Much as they called it co-ed, there was three of us playing. And and the jaws all dropped and they got to be joking. You get to play with your mom. I'd never play with my mom. I can't even think of my mom playing hockey. I can't even think of my mom, you know, being competitive enough to play with us. And my son just laughed and he goes, yeah, he says, uh, you know, mom and I have always ref together, played together. And then, and then I said, and, and this is my son-in-law. <laughs> he just went, oh, this is like, this just doesn't happen in life. And I said, well, maybe it will happen in the future. I said, where lots of women will play. I said, but it was kind of funny. Great story. I'll never, my son was so proud. Oh, this is my mom. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine any of my parents running with me. Um, that's just, <laughs> You know, but this is a, a good way to bring in your a little bit of your your playing days. So you you really started competitively playing when you were 16. And then um, can you t- tell us a story about uh, playing for the men's college team? Yeah, that was a uh, I was I, in college, as I said before, when I was talking about recreation, that was the only route to go in. And so I was playing uh you know, on the AAA women's team here in Toronto, because I had moved up here from 
down home and uh, plan on a college women's team. So it's like already planning on three teams for God's sakes. And along came along, <laughs> but, but everybody who was in parks and rec taking leadership, we were all the people who played on all the sports teams. Cause I mean, every person that was in there was a sports person. And so it really was like, you know, a Friday night jam session and it's called jam sessions back in my day. So like, you know, you're talking 40 years ago now. And, uh, we were sitting around, we were all playing guitars and everything. And, you know, we started to, you know, say, well, you know, Hey Brenda, yeah, you know, you couldn't make the boys team. I said, I could make the guys team, like get a grip. Like what <laughs> you guys, you know? And so it started out as a joke. That's how it started out. And it was, um, so then the boys said, okay, you're coming to the next practice. And I'm saying, okay, I'm there. Don't, don't worry about it. Right. I'm there. And so we, I remember going out to the practice and now I was already on three teams. Uh, so the coach just, you know, I was going to use that word that we always use, but you know, they, they skated them to death. Um, and I'm like going, okay, go ahead, skate us. I'm, you know, playing on three teams. I'm in peak shape. Um, and so there was no difference. And we kind of laughed and I kind of thought that was the end of it, to be honest with you. And then the next thing we knew, it was like the guys were saying, Brenda, we want you to play on the team. And I'm going, what? <laughs> I don't want to play on this team. <laughs> you, guys, you guys hit hard, you know? Uh, but anyways, it kind of was at the time that everything was happening. The, I remember the Dean calling me in and saying, Hey Brenda, you know, we'd like you to play on the team. And I go, what? And, but anyways, I ended up playing on the team and, um, you know, it was a lesson for sure. I took a lot of butt ends, a lot of spears saying, you know, what's it like playing on a, uh, you know, men's team. There was a guy there at the time who had long hair. Uh, I had short hair and he, they all thought he was me. So he took a lot of the brute. <laughs> for me too. Uh, you know, it was kind of like, oh, sorry about that, Brennan. That's uh, great. But it was like, you know, uh, it was one of those things where um, I, I loved playing hockey. I didn't like playing that much at that time with the boys because I loved playing with the guys off the ice. I liked playing with the guys, you know, in pickup hockey. But this was political, right? I mean, it was like, oh, you know, and to me, it was like, you know, I'm 20 years of age. And when you're 20 years of age, you're you know, your politics or your justice in your head is not the same as when you get a little bit older where you're going, oh, I'm making a political statement or I'm, you know, making a difference in the world. It's more about, I just want to play because it's fun. And I don't see the difference between a male and a female. If I want to play your game, I will. And if I don't, I won't. And, you know, that was my 20 year old self speaking and kind of thinking, okay, I want to play. Okay. I don't want to play. You guys are making this a big deal. And I don't know why you're making it a big deal. And the reason they were making it a big deal is because you were the first woman to play on a men's team in Canada, a men's college team in Canada, correct? Inter, inter, uh, what do they call it? Like I was like, I was the first for inter squad. I don't know what it's called. It's in, I don't know what the college is anymore, but yeah, I was the first woman that played. I mean, you know, me and Lanny McDonald did a interview in the Toronto Star that said I had more ice time than him with all the teams I played on. <laughs> it was like, you know, and it was like, yeah, Lanny, you're right. I do have too much to play with. And, uh, but again, I just, I mean, I absolutely love the game of hockey. I, I was, to this day, when I skate, I feel, I don't know, alive. I can go on the ice and I can hear the you know, the skates cutting into the ice. I can hear the hum of the machines, the, you know, the crowd cheering when a goal is scored. And it's like, I don't know, it's like all the emotions coming together. 
just by stepping onto the ice. It's like a dance within itself for me. So I love it. You almost lost it from your life when at 40 you had a stroke, um, which, you know, is a good tie into how important you think, you know, parks and rec and fun is right for kids and getting them active. And um, that that changed your outlook quite a bit you miraculously were able to, you know, teach yourself how to skate again. You even became um, the first female hockey referee at level six in Canada, correct? Correct. How did, um, how did your perception of, of work and balance and, and I, you know, I would ask this of a male as well. So nobody send me hate mail for this, but after, Cause I know it's going to happen, but like after a big health, um, scare like that, right. Um, your perception of, of what's important in life changes. So, um, what, what were some of the things that you took as, you know, lifelong lessons after that? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think, um, I was one of, uh, I did go on to referee, uh, be a referee of one of the few women in Canada. There's a couple of other women in Canada also that have a level six. Uh, but uh, I was one of the first few that was there taking that level six. I think, I think having the stroke changed my way of um, maybe believing that I wasn't invincible, I think is one of the first things. It's like, you know, I, I played hard. I worked out hard. There was no doubt about that there. Uh, you know, but I think, I think you think uh, yourself invincible in the fact of what can touch you or what can, what's important to you in some aspects. And I think for me, having the stroke slowed me down enough to say, what is important to me? And I think everybody does that. And I think the difference is, is that short term, as everybody says, is like, you know, something happens to you and you go, oh my God, you know, this is what's important to me for, you know, the next year. And stats will show you this, you know, people who have heart attacks and everything else. They're really good for a year and a half. They know they walk, they eat properly. And then they go, okay, I'm back to being this, right? <laughs> and so it's very difficult. And they go back in for their surgery five years later. I was somebody who had said, okay, um, what is important to me? You know, what, what are some of the things that in my life uh, needs to change? And I think one of the things for me was that came loud and clear was just that um, I needed to to slow down a little bit. And perhaps uh, family was always important to me. And so that never changed. Uh, you know, to me, it wasn't like, OK, I got to spend more time with my family because that's not true. I, I, I adore my kids. I, <laughs> I adore my family, my mom, dad, everybody along the line. So, so not so much in that way there, because I couldn't change who I was going to be. I was always going to be off doing something, some sports thing. And I think it's one of the kids said, if I'm not, then I'm not me. And it's not who I am. But I think the more important things for me was to slow down and say, what, do, you know, what, what is my path? What's my end game? And, uh, you know, my end game for me was, okay, you know, it's up to me now to make choices about some of the beliefs I had that I had to change some of the theories I had that people told me I was good at or people wanted me to be good at. I, I, I really didn't want to do in life. Like, you know, so many times uh, I would go to play baseball and, and people would say, okay, Bernie, you're on first or, you know, you're shortstop. And I go, why? why? I want to be in the field. <laughs> I want to be out there, you know, 
lazily getting a ball every now and then. I don't want to be in here in the <laughs> co-ed section where, you know, streaming, you know, balls are coming at me for God's sakes. But the perception <laughs> was, is, is that Brenda's an athlete, Brenda's really good, so therefore she'll go here. And, you know, so then I would go there. And then, of course, the, the, probably the thing about me that I had to change was is that I would have patience for everybody in this world uh, to teach them something, to guide them. They fall down 5,000 times. I'll be there to help them pick them up. But God forbid that I fell once because that was not acceptable to me. So I had no patience for myself. I had no patience for me not being able to do something immediately or correctly or perfectly. And I think that was the big change for me. So, you know, that was like, no, I'm not playing first (laughs) instead of going and playing first and then being stressed the whole game because, okay, I have to perform. I have to perform at the peak that these people believe that I have to perform at instead of just saying, uh, no, I'm here for fun and I'm going out to the field. And so I think it was me. It was a a kind of a bit of a, a readjusting to be okay with, with, some of the decisions and the aspects of what people believed I was as compared to what I just wanted to do. Do you think that, um, having gone through that and I mean, with your career, you, you know, you did some really big projects with master planning, uh, you know, of, um, parks and rec areas. And then you started the CWHL, the Canadian women's, hockey league um do you think going through that experience and really you know taking a look at what's important and the end game as you called it um helped get you to the point where you're like yep we're doing this uh uh, no i think uh i think i think once the you know i mean the stroke happened i dealt with it I realized, you know, these are some of the things I wanted to change. And then again, I moved on. I didn't dwell on it because, you know, dwelling on something, you know, it's not good for, for your mind, your conscious, your body or your soul. I think what was to me was, is like, okay, what's my next steps? Because my next steps are, what do I want to do in life now? So, uh, you know, Sammy Jill Small and a bunch of the other women actually founded, uh, you know, put together the league. I came in, uh, you know, they ran it one year themselves because it, it, the original one went bankrupt. Uh, or sorry, it went on strike and the players all players quit and the owners quit. And so the players tried to run a league by themselves. And then they, Sammy Joe came to me and said, Hey, Brenda, I really, we, we need somebody to come in and take this over and, and organize it and build the business plan. So that, so I came in, uh, you know, and, and structured the entire league and built the league uh, from there up as compared to not found, I didn't found it. They, they built it. But I think for me, it was like, I wanted to, I wanted to provide women an opportunity to make a difference in what they did. So it wasn't just about, oh, let's create a league for, for players to be excel in. It was let's create a league that players can excel on the ice and off the ice so that when they're done, they know they can coach. They know they can be a commissioner. And those out there that don't skate can still be participants in women's sports because they can be a commissioner or they can be a general manager or they can be this thing here. And I think, you know, the the men's sporting world is phenomenal, but we're not at the top. I don't care what anybody says, you know, so what, you know, one out of 400,000 women make it to an assistant coach. I think that's great. I think the NBA is certainly leading the way big time. God, they're, they're probably the best at it, but you know, to make us and 
please all listeners, you know, don't send me hate mail. But <laughs> I, I, I think what we're, they're really good at, and I just put a nickname on it because I heard it a long time ago and I loved it is that we're perfect at the pink ghetto and the pink ghetto, you know, to us is like, we run the HR, we run the lawyer section, we run the communication section, we run the marketing section and, you know, we run the finances, <laughs> but we don't sit at the table when there's an owner or we don't get asked to be the president of a team. We don't get asked to be the head of operations. We don't get asked to be the general managers of these big sports teams. We don't sit at those tables where the decisions are made. However, I always say to them, if you really look at it, the pink ghetto actually runs the entire league. Because if any of us made the mistakes or didn't do things, we're the, the backbone of everything. But we're not up in the front. And that was kind of my thought process for trying to create the business plan that I created here for the CW is to create opportunities for women off the ice also. I, I mean, I think that's so important. And um, and even in those on the business side, there there's still so much work to be done. I mean, you you see women in middle management roles. Um, it, you still aren't quite seeing them at the C-level um, at, in all, you know, it, Right now, the NFL happens to have um, more women in the league offices uh, at higher business side sided roles, which is great. But at on a team level, you're still not really seeing that, and and I think that's that's true for most of the sports, um, the big the big four men's sports. Um, you know, one thing I was at, I was almost happy that the recording didn't happen because uh the other day when i saw this and i i made a point about it on twitter the american alliance of football the new league that's coming out uh tweeted some pictures um of you know some of the gms and some of the executives from across the league and at the league office the other day they were all meeting there was one woman <laughs> right and so and i i mean and one of my mentors and someone who i very much respect and i know will be a very good champion of women is um now a part of that league and and so you know i i'm putting a lot of faith in him that he can help with that however you are starting a brand new league and you choose to do it the same way every other league has done it? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was, I was like, I saw the pictures. I was annoyed. I went to bed. I stewed over it. The next morning I woke up and I was furious. And I had a few text messages from some of my female friends in sports who were like, did you see this? And I was like, don't even get me started. <laughs> Like I want to go on a rant about this. I might do a solo podcast. I haven't. I'm I'm making you part of the rant now. <laughs> but but I mean seriously, where how many times do do leagues need you know new leagues need to start and do the same bullshit that has been done on all these other leagues? But like I don't get it. I don't get it. There are plenty of of women out there. What are you doing? Well, I'm so with you. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to let you take this. 
Yeah, you just you just go ahead and rant there. Yeah, that's yours. Very good, good. I I mean that's just the difference we're trying to make, which is really what she is, which is the newest thing that I'm doing. Right. Um, is is that <clears throat> excuse me, she is an umbrella of all the major women's sports uh, leagues and teams uh, and individual sports in North America. And what we're trying to say is, is that, Hey, you know what? We don't need you to do it. We'll do it ourselves. And that's the strongest power that we have within ourselves. We don't need outsiders. We don't need sponsors. We don't need media. And not to say that we don't want them to be a part of it. We do. We absolutely do. Do we want them to follow us? Absolutely. Do we want them to give us money? Absolutely. But but we don't need them. We need us and we need us to stand up and take control of our own sports and take control of the fact that you're right. We're not getting fans. We're not getting viewers. And why not? I don't know. You guys tell me, why aren't you, why aren't you of all the women in these sports? Why aren't you watching other women's sports? Why don't you cross pollinate and support other women? You want yourself to be supported, support others. And I think that's what she is, is very strongly making a comment about. It's not about, complaining about sponsors it's not about complaining about media it's not negative in any way she is was born from positivity saying we have the right to make a decision ourselves let's stand up and let's do it together yeah and i think you know um i love the the concept of she is i love that most of the league the women's leagues have um have joined in on it and i think it's already beginning to make a difference uh if you know just the other day it was reported that um the seattle storm versus the la sparks uh wnba game on espn2 had the highest rated regular season in in on espn since 2016 and it hit a bunch of markets that you would not even expect but it seems to be a slow trend up, which is great. And I think it's important that there be a, you know, more um, focus on being able to see the women's sports, right? So being able to see it on TV or being able to see it on a, um, a streaming media platform or going to the games and, and sharing your experiences there, which is a lot of what um, she is, is all about. Totally. Um, and for young, for young women, it's so important for them to, to see these athletes and executives um, who are women and being successful, because I think that that gives them possibility models, just like what I'm trying to do with the podcast. Totally agree. I think it's so important that young girls understand that, you know, at the age of 13, where most young girls drop out of sports, is to say you don't have to drop out of sports because you think there's no career. There is a career. It's just not in it's on the business side. And so stay in sports. Just do it as fun because there is an end game. And, uh, you know, that's that's the key for us. And, you know, for us to make the game sexy and to us make the business sexy is okay. People say, well, you know, sexy, what are you going to do? I said, no, no, you're talking, I'm not talking physically sexy, you know, where all of a sudden you have to change our uniforms and do all these things. I'm talking about, you know, making our game sexy because you want to grow up and work in it because it's that's fun. It's so phenomenal. It's like a world within itself that's, you know, that's the whole thing. Men want to men want to grow up and play. And if they can't play, they want to run it because it's it is it's a world of wow. This is like fun and 
cool and sexy. And so we just have to create that same thing for women. And, you know, the, at some point, hopefully the money follows, right. Um, for the athletes, for the leagues. And, um, over the weekend, there were, (laughs) there's a bit of, uh, Twitter trolling going on with some of the WNBA players, which was interesting to watch after um, LeBron got his money. Um, But, you know, I think that by creating this community that like she is, is, is meant to do. um, Once you have the community and the following, the money tends to come along with it, which then just accelerates growth. Absolutely. So LeBron James gets the money he makes because every single person views him. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, they know that LeBron James is going to bring in tickets. They're going to bring in viewership. He's going to bring in sponsors. It's not because LeBron James is, is, is in himself, like, you know, this powerhouse. I mean, he is as a player. Don't get me wrong, but what, <laughs> no hate mail people. No hate mail. <laughs> yeah, no hate mail. He's a powerful player. But, but the concept is this thing here, LeBron James, will get not a dime. If, if he came on to play in the court and there wasn't one single fan in that building, if nobody turned their TV on to watch LeBron James, nobody's giving him any money. And that's our players' uh, situation. People, sponsors, media, everybody, once the fan base is built, once the fan, you as the fan, every single person who's listening to this podcast, you know, it's one of the things I say. You want to make a difference it's great for us to be on a podcast and we're talking about it and doing it, but it's like, what do you do after you, get, you listen to this podcast? Do you go out and watch a female sports game? Do you turn the TV on and say, Oh, I'm going to choose between the NBA and the WNBA. What sport are you choosing? Because whatever you choose, that's the difference. Because for us, it's like, if you're ticked at LeBron James because he's making money, don't be ticked at him. It's not him that's getting the money. I mean, he's he's a solid athlete who's phenomenal at what he does. My God, I mean, I watched him kill Toronto here, and I thought, can anybody do those types of shots one more time? But the thing is, is, is that the fans tuned in long before LeBron James came to the court. Fans came to the basketball game and supported the NBA. And they turned on the TV. They went to the games. They put on the uniforms, like, you know, like the merchandise. And so, therefore, there was something there for when this great star came along that, okay, great, we can make money off of him. And they do make money off of him. And so our females are in the same position. Our females are as talented as LeBron James. Don't care what anybody says. We have two or three people in the WNBA that are as talented as LeBron James, as as talented as, as, you know, as Sidney Crosby in the hockey world. They're all there. The difference is, is the fan is not watching our women. And so it's up to us to one start by, by saying, look, we as our own athletes have to support each other. We as our own athletes have to go to our other games. We have to build it slowly, but we are responsible for growing our own game. And you as a fan are responsible. You cannot say he shouldn't make that money unless you as a fan have, are going out and, and supporting women in sports. Turn the TV on, turn your streaming on, go. I don't care what is it. There's something out there in your area that you could purchase a ticket to and say, and, and tell us, tell us, you know, this is a great thing. She is challenged. It's very simple. Go to a game, turn on the TV, take a photo of yourself, take a video of yourself watching a women's sporting event. Hashtag she is challenge. 
and then challenge three of your other friends to support you. It's not like you, like, that's not a, that's not a big deal. I mean, that's pretty easy for you to do. It's simplified. It's, it's, it's brilliant in the simple fact that you can make a difference. People say, well, I don't have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of money. Turn a TV on, walk out and buy a $5 ticket, a, you know, a $15 ticket, you know, and, and support the game. Challenge three of your friends. That's how you make a difference. Then I can tell you right now, our top athletes will be paid because, because the sponsors will say, are you kidding me? That's what there's, you know, 25,000 women going to a game. 25,000 men and women are watching the WNBA or going to the LPGA or going to the Canadian Women's Hockey League hockey game. I got to be there. How much do you want? I want to be your sponsor. I, I want to be in on televising your games because this is it's, it's 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 no different than any person out there who's running a small business. You do not support if you don't have revenue or some payback. And we need that. So I just came up in my head right now as you were talking with an idea, and that's for my listeners to do just what Brenda said. So um, go to a a women's game or watch a women's game on TV um, and on any of the big three social media. So Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, uh, post a picture of of you doing that, um, do the hashtag she is challenge and make sure you tag LTPF pod. And I will give it until the, until let's see, July 14th. And then I'll pick a winner out of that group. Um, if you're not on social media, you hate social media because I don't know, whatever. You can send me an email with the same thing and I will post it for you without your name. Um, and I'll pick a winner and it'll be, I don't know, it'll be a surprise. Maybe Brenda can help with something too, but I'll reach out to, <laughs> to some of the women in our, uh, in our, our group and I'll put together a little package of goodies for people or for the person who wins um, to get this kind of rolling. Uh, that- yeah, that, great. That's, and we will, I'll put something together with you too. Okay. Let's, let's get the people. And remember, you know, you take a video, a photo of yourself attending or watching any women's sporting game and hashtag, uh, you know, she is challenge, uh, and, and, and the po- po- podcast and, uh, and challenge three of your friends. Yep. We, you, Do that you, too. You, we can make a difference. We can make a difference. You just got to decide whether you're going to sit and say it, or you're going to stand up and make it work. Um, yeah. And actually now that I'm thinking, let's see tomorrow, this is going to go July 4th. So why don't we say until the end of July? Um, that way it gives people plenty of time. There are a crap ton of WNBA games going on right now. So zero, zero, zero excuses at this point, people. Um, and, um, that'll be fun and it'll be, it'll be good. Um, while we close out here, because I think this is a good end point, can you share what you do by way of self-care? Oh, I take time for me. For I do meditate at times, but one of the things that um, I love to do is, is exercise in some aspect. To me, it's like I get on my bike or get on my kayak or, I, you know, I garden, cut the grass. I just take time for me. Um, I think it's so important for us. You know, we take time for everybody else in our life. 
So it doesn't matter what I do. It's usually an activity for me. Uh, but also I do meditate sometimes, uh, try to keep that in. But I think the key for me is what I do for me is to take time for me daily, whether it's uh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something where it's just me and uh, I'm just sitting down and taking care of me. That's so good. Do you, when you meditate, do you use any sort of app or anything or is it just on your own? It's on my own because so, so I have done, you know, different apps, but what I found was, is that, um, <laughs> again, it's, uh, you know, I think what's important is, is whatever, like there's certain music that sometimes I'll turn on and right away I will feel the calmness. And so that music that, um, I picked would be what resonates with me and calms me. And I think that's the key that, like, you know, there's, there's meditation music I turned on and, you know, I'd be five minutes into it. Go, oh my God, I can't handle this. You know, <laughs> it's no good for me, yeah. but, but, but there's other ones that I can sit and I just love the music and, and, you know, I let the music uh, kind of take over. And for a brief moment, it's like, I can just think my own thoughts and not be upset with them, but go, oh, that's a nice thought. But, you know, or that's a nice thought. And I just let them come in and let them go. Um, I think that's the key was, you know, as you get older, you realize that you're going to have thoughts 24 hours, seven days a week all the time. But, you know, if you take that thought and then make a story out of it, that's where trouble occurs in what I've learned. And if you don't take that thought or you question that thought later afterwards, meditation, you'll find it. <laughs> it's just that it's a thought. It's not true. <laughs> it's yeah. like, so it's like, you know, so that's why I picked my own music because I know that that's the type of music that I, and lots of great, great meditational music out there. You just got to find what's good for you. I think that's what I've learned over the years. And it's what kind of what I say be honest, Bobby, is, is that, you know, nobody can tell you what's right for you. Only you can. So explore, find something that works for you. Don't say, you know, this guy, oh, I take his meditation, medication music and it's going to be perfect. It might be for him because that's why it is because it's his. Find out what's right for you and then do it. I think that's so smart and, and so true. And it's, you know, even though I ask pretty much all of our guests that question, the reason I, I ask it is, well, one, some of the women need reminding that they need to do something for self-care, um, <laughs> you know, to like slow down, but also to give uh, people ideas. But, you know, there's never going to be a one size fits all situation. And so it might just be opening up people's minds to different possibilities for themselves. So I love that. Um uh, and thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. No, no problem. I love, I love speaking about women and power and sports and leadership positions and anything I can do that would help some individual listening to say, look, you're going to make a difference too. Um, I think uh, what most of us don't believe in is, is that, um, we can do it. And uh, as you get older, you realize that we're the only person that can do it. Nobody else can. Thank you so much to Brenda for recording. Not once, but twice. <laughs> and uh, having such a great conversation. I, I appreciate that she 
um, shared quite a bit about herself uh, and her you know, personal stories. Um, but also I really appreciate what she is doing for women in sports, um, not just with the CWHL um, and, you know, trying to, to push that league forward and, and do some really cool things there. We didn't mention it, but they are now going to have a team in China, which is pretty freaking phenomenal. Um, but also with she is and, um, and really trying to get this coalition of, of women's sports and leagues together to um, get more attendance at games and to get more viewership on TV. As we mentioned, there's a ton of WNBA games um, on TV right now. ESPN has a good amount of them. So um, it should be helpful for this challenge that we mentioned. Uh, We are going to do a little bit of like a sweepstakes contest. I'm not going to get legal about it thing. It's a challenge. Um, Hashtag she is challenge. And here are the rules as I have come up with them. You have to follow us, which you should be doing anyway, but this is a good reason for y'all to do it. Follow us, uh, the podcast at LTPF pod on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or all of them, please take a picture of yourself watching a game or at a watching a women's game, excuse me, or at a women's game, and then post it to social, tag LTPF pod, and use the has- hashtag sheischallenge. And in that post, challenge three friends to do the same. You can do it on any of those three platforms. You'll win a prize pack. I don't know what's in it yet. I'll come up with it. You guys have until the final day of July, which... If I had a calendar in front of me, I would know what date that is. <laughs> Don't ask. Um, oh, it's the 31st. So you have until July 31st, which is a Tuesday, which is great. Because then I can maybe announce it on the August 1st podcast. So do that. If you have questions, reach out to us. If you're not on social, get on social. Um, but it would be really great if you all did that. Um, and thank you listening as i mentioned make sure you're subscribing rating and reviewing us on apple podcast stitcher tune in google play radioinfluence.com or ltpfpod.com which will be updated by the end of this week because i'm on vacation in in quotes and um you know do the she is challenge see if you win a little prize pack i'm going to try and get some of our our uh, former guests involved with this little prize pack that we put together. So um, thank you so much for being here and please have a very happy but safe 4th of July. Please be smart. Um, We look forward to being back next week. Bye. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Peter Fleming, BBC, uh, on the men's draw at Wimbledon. He's been a broadcaster for some years now. So I would look at some of the the bigger hitters. Venus Williams has a a chance to come through. There's Karolina Pliskova with a huge serve, a Czech player seated seventh. And, And then when you talk about great athletes, there are no better athletes in women's tennis than Sloane Stevens. She moves so gracefully and, and so beautifully 
that she's uh, she's a four seed finalist at the French Open. You know, could she break through and win Wimbledon? Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Madison Keys, the the ninth seed, again another American, has a chance because she serves so well. Has a chance to uh, to go deep. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.